Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another fun and exciting episode of CamCast. Uh, this is Cam here. I want to thank everybody to, for listening to the last two episodes. Those episodes were actually a lot of fun for me. Um, they were definitely a lot. Uh, they were definitely very meaningful. As we had, you know, episode twelve was my in memoriam to Kobe Bryant, which was with my friend Pre. And then the previous, uh, the episode, you know, after that one was my rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. Um, and and I don't know, both those episodes were a lot of fun. Uh, the Kobe one was a lot more, it was a lot more structured. Um, I knew I was going to be asking questions. We we're going to be having conversation about Kobe Bryant and what he meant to, to me and my friend Pri. And then the Chadwick Boseman one was just completely off the cuff. Um, you know, that one was for me, it was, it was kind of cathartic. It was, it gave me a chance to explain what this actor meant to me, what I think he meant to a lot of different people, what he meant to the, uh, MCU, and things like that. I just I think that he will be remembered for all the amazing things that he did. You know, he was a basically a superhero fighting cancer as he was acting and doing all these things. Didn't let anybody know. And it's I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but you know, I wanted to thank you guys for listening to those ones. Those two were actually two of they're already in my top five in terms of listens uh, uh, of all the thirteen podcasts that I have. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, that's just, that's, that's all you guys. That's credit to you guys. I haven't been doing a lot extra from what I've been doing, you know, day to day. Um, just in terms of getting the word out there via social media. Again, like I've said before, my reach is only so far. I want to thank everybody that has been sharing the podcast, liking the podcast, subscribing to the podcast. You know, I, I, I really appreciate that guys. You know, it's been a lot of fun for me. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, Going forward, go ahead, please continue to share, like, and subscribe to the podcast, you know, CamCast. If you haven't already, please follow on my Instagram page. It's cam.cast, K-A-M dot K-A-S-T. That's where you're going to be getting a lot of different information. You're, that's where you're going to be getting when the podcasts are dropping. Uh, every once in a while, I'll be putting polls up there for fun. If you ever want to DM me, that's the place you can reach me uh, for now until a couple other things that are, I got in the works are, are going to be, you know, uh, come to flourishing. But uh, yeah, guys, uh, still having a great time, and I'm gonna bring it back to something that I promised that we'd be getting going before Black Widow, the Marvel movie, comes out, and that's I'm gonna continue right on with my Marvel reviews, with my Marvel movie talk. And next in the in the docket is number two in chronological order of the MCU, and that is the Incredible Hulk, released in 2008. Uh, it's kind of it's definitely the dark horse of the MCU. It's definitely the the least well-known In fact, a lot of people don't even know that, you know, the incredible Hulk is part of the MCU because of all the changes that are in it. And some people still think that it's the original Hulk that came out in 2003. I think, you know, reason for that is because those movies came out five months, uh, five years apart. Um, but I, I actually have a lot of love for this movie. And then after rewatching it, you know, I, I got kind of excited. It's definitely not the worst MCU movie. That's, that's for sure. There are a lot of really good parts in this movie. There's some, really interesting parts and then the ending of this movie to me is what really makes the movie and it kind of makes it if it didn't if the ending didn't have this particular ending that it has i don't think that i would hold it in such high regard as a as an mcu movie it's still granted it's still probably one of my bottom five mcu movies but that's just because you know the marvel cinematic universe is so vast and it's so lush and it's like there's every you know tooth every year there's two three movies and all those movies have been just you know fucking awesome so, uh, you know, if you want my thoughts and you want how I view the, the Incredible Hulk, just come on, let's, let's, let's listen to this. Let's get going, guys.
guys. Uh, thank you again for joining. This is going to be episode 14. This is the Incredible Hulk episode, so I'm kind of excited to get going with this one. Um, this is, as I said before, this is the second movie of the MCU. came out in 2008, directed by Louis Leterrier. Um, so he's, I don't really know who that is. I'm not even going to you know, bullshit you guys like I know who it is. Um, it stars Edward Norton as Bruce Banner, Liv Tyler as Betty Ross, the love interest of uh, Bruce Banner in this film, Tim Roth as Emil Blonsky slash The Abomination, Tim Blake Nelson as Samuel Stearns, uh, and William Hurt as Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. So, as I mentioned before, this is kind of the, the, the black sheep of the MCU as there's really nothing about this movie that rang still in the rest of the MCU, granted, except for one character. And that character being Thunderbolt Ross. Thunderbolt Ross, he appeared in this movie as basically the antagonist to to Bruce Banner. Uh, in the movie, Thunderbolt Ross is a part of uh, an organization that wants to revitalize the super soldier serum. And that's basically what happens to Bruce Banner. And that's how he becomes the Hulk. They use gamma radiation to try to replicate the super soldier serum. And it goes wrong. And what it does is it turns you know Bruce Banner into the Incredible Hulk. You know, it's... Pretty self-explanatory, and upon repeat viewings of this movie, you know, after re-watching uh, re it for the first time in, God, maybe four years. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, the first five minutes of title sequences kind of gives you a lot of that, right? It gives you like, hey, this is the serum that they were going to use. It shows kind of what happened, and you know why why Bruce is where he's at. So after this happens, Bruce is on the run because he feels like he's in danger. You know, basically, they, they put this serum in, into him, and he turns into the Hulk, so he feels like he's going to be a laboratory, you know, basically test rat for the remainder of his life, unless he kind of runs away and takes control of himself. So, we find him in Rio de Janeiro, and uh, basically, one day, he turns into the Hulk, destroys a factory, and he gets in, and, but while the whole time, he's in contact with somebody named Mr. Blue, and Mr. Blue is telling him that he can basically reverse his his serum you know reverse it and make him not turn into hulk anymore get rid of all that super soldier serum you know or lack there whatever it's called in him and he can turn back into a normal person and not have to worry about raging out all the time so his goal is bruce banner's goal is is to get back to the united states and not be the hulk that's the whole point of the movie right it's pretty cut and dry um so i don't really think i'm gonna have to go much too into you know what's going on with this movie but there are a lot of really cool parts in this movie, right? So Thunderbolt Ross, he has a daughter, and that is Liv Tyler's character, Betty Ross. And Betty Ross, like I said before, is Bruce Banner's love interest. So it's kind of like a weird, uh, not quite a love triangle, but there's a love debacle that goes on there. Because obviously Bruce loves Betty, and he wants to be close to Betty. But if he's the closer he gets to Betty, the closer he gets to her father. And that's the guy that's trying to basically take him in and turn him, turn him into a lab rat. Now, the most interesting part about this whole movie, to me, besides the fact that Edward Norton didn't continue being the Incredible Hulk, and trust me, I will talk at length about that later on in the pod, is the introduction of Tim Ross' character, Emil Blonsky. Um, it's, he's a really interesting character. He was a part of the Royal Marines Commandos of the United Kingdoms, of the United Kingdom, and basically he's an ex-military guy who's still military, but his sole purpose was he was hired by William Hurt, uh, William Hurt's character, Thunderbolt Ross, to bring in Bruce Banner. And he was he did this not knowing exactly that Bruce Banner could turn into the Hulk. So I remember the first time in the movie when Bruce, you know, basically hulks out and he scares the shit out of uh, 
and he's he does doesn't scare the shit out of him, but he's like Emil Blonsky's completely like in awe of of this, right? He's just so in awe of this. Um, after that first encounter, basically Bruce Banner breaks all of his bones. You know, just it's not good for him. He's basically dying. So what Thaddeus Ross does is he injects some of that serum into Tim Roth. So throughout the course of this movie, you basically see the antithesis of what, or not, not even the antithesis, but you see exactly what happened to Edward Norton or Edward Norton's character, Bruce Banner, you know, before basically Tim Roth, Tim Roth's character, he gets really strong and there's a fight scene where they have, where they go to the university and he's basically running past everybody, just, you know, like a super soldier. And he's able to basically go at the Hulk, even though the Hulk's the Hulk. And I don't know, it just it's it was really interesting, and it was the first time we had really seen like a really super powered villain in the MCU before this was the MCU. Uh, granted, in, in Iron Man, we saw Iron Monger played by Jeff Bridges, and that was really cool. But this was the first time where we had really seen a super powered human in the MCU. Uh, I mean, I guess you consider Bruce Banner a super powered human as well, but this was like legit a person running at a crazy speed and being super strong and able to jump super fast. So I always thought that that was kind of interesting. Then after they capture Bruce Banner, uh, Tim Ross character, he goes to that Mr. Blue who was able to, well, I guess he unsuccessfully took out the super soldier serum out of Bruce Banner and he asks him to put it in him, you know, whatever he took out of Bruce Banner to put it in him. So he, he does that. And that's, that's a, uh, Tim Nelson's character. Tim Nelson, you'll know him as being the, what's his name? The mom from uh, Holes. Where he's like, what is Z, E, or what, what does he say? He says, uh, what does D, I, G spell? And then Zero hits him with the shovel and says, dig. So that's from Holes to Holes reference. Sorry, it's a little choppy, but I, <laughs> I just, that, that guy's kind of, he's a funny, he's also in Old Brother, War Out Thou, which is another one of my favorite movies. But basically on the table, you have uh, Tim Roth, yeah, you have Tim Ross character, Blonsky, and he gets injected with whatever was was in Bruce Banner, and you see him turn into the abomination, and it is wicked. I mean, it is it is it's pretty it's pretty sick. He you know he's literally like his body's like um, is moving like like there's you know stuff going coursing through his veins, and he he the the way that the camera goes, it kind of goes above him, so he just seems gargantuan, and he is. Um, I don't know, it's just a really cool scene. And then the last time you see Tim Nelson's character, he's lying down, he has a cut on his on his head, and the blood from Abomination goes right into his cut, and then his head starts to throb and get bigger. And this is this is where I have a lot of issues with this film, is because they set up so many different things and none of it really came to pass. Uh Tim Nelson's character was supposed to be it's his it's a supervillain that's called the leader. And he has like a big forehead and a giant head, and he's just like he's super, super intelligent, super, and, and that's he was supposed to be a really good antagonist for the Hulk. And I'm I'm upset that we've never been able to see that because that would have been really cool. Like I said, this movie set up a lot of really cool things. So the final fight is Abomination versus uh, the Hulk, and it's in New York City, and it's just it's sick, right? It's just really cool. It's all CGI, but for 2008, it's amazing. Just like how Iron Man CGI in 2008 was really, really good, this one's more or less the same. It kind of starts off with Bruce Banner doesn't know if he's going to turn into the Hulk, and Abomination's just wreaking havoc on New York City. So they fly overhead, and basically Bruce jumps out, or I think he's pushed out of the plane, and he lands on the ground, and they think he's dead. 
but he comes up as the Hulk, and he, you know, he's, there's just some cool stuff, like, he grabs a car, puts it in half, it basically uses it as punching bags, just a lot of really cool stuff like that throughout the fight, and I think it's like a 10 minute long fight, you know, they destroy basically a large part of, of, uh, of Brooklyn, and I don't know, it's just, it's a really good fight, but like I said, there's, there's not a lot too deep within this movie, there just really isn't, it's just, it's the story of Bruce Banner trying to to find trying to find the cure, and he can't get the cure, so he winds up having to fight a guy who winds up wanting to become something just like the Hulk in the Abomination, and they fight. You know, it, it really is as simple as that in terms of like a movie, but there's still some interesting parts I want to talk about, and we will talk about that in the category. So let's do it, guys. All right, guys, we're gonna get into the categories now. First category, we have best scene. Uh, so best scene is there's not a lot of really interesting scenes in this movie. So there's only three scenes that I have. Uh, it's the first scene in the warehouse where we see Bruce Banner Hulk out for the first time. Um, I remember it was, I remember the first time I saw it when I was in the theaters back in 2008. And I just remembered how crazy it was. You know, it was like they really painted the Hulk as being just completely, just completely, uh, you know, it's... I don't know, just like as a, a complete savage, you know, it's something that's just uncontrollable, and that whole scene right there is just a good way of to to show how that went, and I don't, it's just a, it's a really good beginning to the movie, it really is. Uh, the second best scene for me is the scene where we see Emil Blonsky basically being superhuman after he is injected with the super soldier serum, and he's going crazy uh, at the university when they're trying to capture the Hulk, and they wind up successfully capturing the Hulk because of uh, sound waves. Uh, what they do is they take sound waves from different military vehicles and they point it in the direction of the Hulk. And the sound waves are so strong that it literally puts the Hulk you know, down. He's not able to use his strength and get out of it. So it was kind of interesting. Uh, the next really, really good scene is that final battle. That final battle is, is something really special. For 2008, using all CGI, because it's obviously you know Hulk and Abomination aren't, aren't real people... It's, it's a really, really well done, well choreographed scene. Abomination has a lot of digs in there. It's the first time you, you hear Hulk say Hulk smash, which is like his, you know, his, his catchphrase. And it's really, I don't know, it's really well done. And the Hulk just kicks his ass. But the Abomination puts up an amazing fight. I think he's, it looks like twice as big as the Hulk in this scene. I mean, you know, it just looks really, really cool. And because of that, that's definitely for me the best scene in the movie. It's the penultimate fight and... There's just something about it that just, I don't know, it's just, it's really, really, it's really cool. I really enjoy it. All right, the next category we have, the part of the movie that takes you out of the movie. So, this is a tough category for this film in particular because there's nothing about this film that really transfers forward into the MCU. I mean, it really doesn't. So when you watch it, you kind of watch it as a one-off because the Hulk was recast, Liv Tyler's character never comes back. You never see the Abomination again, even though he's not killed. The only character that comes back is Thunderbolt Ross, and that's not until Civil War, until Captain America Civil War, which is in 2016. It was eight years after his first appearance. And, you know, spoiler alert for everyone right now, Thunderbolt Ross is actually going to be having a major villain uh, movie probably come out in the next five years. I I don't know if that's 100% true, but everything that I'm reading because I'm a deep dive, you know, deep diver and I... I'm a big nerd. I've read that Thunderbolts Ross is going to have uh, is going to head a team called 
the Thunderbolts, and it's basically like a league of villains that go up against the Avengers and different heroes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that could be really cool, and I understand why they brought him back, because he was a really good antagonist in this movie. Yeah, Abomination was the big bad, but the brain behind it was Thunderbolt Ross, and he was honestly really good in this movie. But as a, the movie as a whole, it's like, it's it's kind of tough, you know, because they there's so much of this movie that could have been done really well, and... I don't know. It's just I, I wish Edward Norton would have been the Hulk the entire time. I like him way better than I like Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner, as I said before a million times, and I'll probably keep saying it till the end of the episode. Love Tim Roth as this as this character as Emil Blonsky slash the Abom- uh, the Abomination. He's fantastic. I mean, he really is. If not for the final scene in this movie when Tony Stark cameos at the very end at the end credits and talks to Thunderbolt Ross about the fact that he's putting together a team. You wouldn't even know this movie's a part of the MCU. I mean, this really could have been a whole different Hulk movie, just like the Hulk movie was in 2003 that starred Eric Bana. But yeah, this this category, it's, it's kind of tough. So the third category is the Stole the Show Award. If it's not obvious by now, uh, this award winner goes to Tim Roth. Tim Roth just completely steals every single scene that he's in. Yeah, I love Edward Norton as Bruce Banner. I honestly think he's just really good. He's everything that I would think that Bruce Banner would be. He's a little nerdy. He's really he's quick witted, uh, but he you can pull off the fact that somebody would really care about him and would really love him, and that's always the part that I have a hard time dealing with. Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo doesn't really seem human as his role of Bruce Banner. He just I don't know. He doesn't even seem that intelligent to be honest with you. Edward Norton. Everything that he does, all of his choices within this movie are fantastic. But even still. Tim Roth steals every scene that he's in. I mean, Tim Roth is definitely the best actor in this movie. I mean, it's him and Edward Norton toe to toe, and it's it's really, it really like I, after doing a little bit of research, they've competed for different roles at different times throughout their entire career. So it's kind of funny that they're adversaries in this movie, and of all things, a comic book movie of a of the least successful Marvel movie of of all the Marvel movies that have been going on in the in the MCU. Not all of them, but in the MCU. You know, Tim Roth's been in Tarantino movies and all kinds of other things. He's an amazing actor, and he brought it to the screen. You believe that he was a crazy guy who was loving all of the power and energy that he was getting from all the things that were being injected into him. And I just wish that we would have seen more of him. And the rumor is, and I read this back when the movie came out, but Avengers Age of Ultron was supposed to bring back the Abomination. That was part of the plan. He was going to team up with Ultron, and they were going to fight the Avengers. How cool would that have been? That would have been amazing. I would have loved to see Tim Roth back in these movies as the Abomination uh, fighting the Hulk. That's something that we probably could have needed. I just The Age of Ultron's always been a little bit weaker. It's a lot better on repeat viewings having seen Infinity War and Endgame. But it definitely would have had a bigger boost if Tim Roth or the Abomination would have been in it. So that's that's just my opinion. Uh, Number four category is the recasting couch. Again, this is a tough one given the fact that not a lot of people in this movie, you know, obviously just besides Thunderbolt Ross, are remain in the MCU. And I kind of talked about it a little bit before, but man, I just wish Edward Norton would have remained as the Hulk. I just thought that he was so good as Bruce Banner. The way he delivers his lines, you can just tell this guy's a genius. I just he's superior to Mark Ruffalo in every single way. Mark Ruffalo's fine, but Mark Ruffalo is just he's a little bit he's a little bit too cartoony at times. He's a little too campy. Some of his line delivery just doesn't 
just doesn't hold up, right? Like in Infinity War, he's basically a cartoon character the entire time because he can't turn into the Incredible Hulk. I just think Edward Norton, who's like a world-class actor, you know, one of the best of this generation, would have done a much better job in some of the MCU movies and some of the Avengers movies. So that's 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 my, my award for that category. All right, category five, we have facts on the production. So there are actually a lot of facts on this movie, and it's interesting to see. And it makes sense why there would be a lot of facts on this movie, just because there's a lot of characters in this movie that didn't move forward. So one of the first interesting facts is the director, Louis Leterrier, originally wanted Mark Ruffalo to, for the role of Bruce Banner, but Marvel insisted on Edward Norton. Wow. I didn't know that until I started doing some you know, half-assed internet research, and I thought that that was really interesting. Had Mark Ruffalo started this thing out, I think I'd be completely fine with it, right? Because you don't know that Edward Norton even existed as Bruce Banner. And if Mark Ruffalo would have started from the, from the beginning, we wouldn't have never known that there was another option that could have happened. But it kind of sucks because now that I know that Ed Norton's Bruce Banner exists, that's all I want. That's all I want is Ed Norton's Bruce Banner. It's, I don't know, it's it's kind of... It's tough on Marvel's part because normally they get all the castings correct. And so they with their casting of Edward Norton was completely correct. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is they should have had the the wherewithal to realize that Edward Norton is a world-class actor and he's not known for ever wanting to do the same role more than once. In fact, I'm not sure if he's ever been in any type of sequel or series ever. He's just like a one-time actor for all these different movies. Um, but I think if Mark Ruffalo would have been cast originally, I think the movie would just have so much more continuity with the rest of the MCU. Um, another couple interesting things. Liv Tyler accepted her role without reading the script. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I mean, she was, what, this is 2008, so Armageddon's 99. I don't know. She wasn't really doing a lot at that time, so that's probably why she did it. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to be mean to her or anything like that. Sam Elliott originally wanted to reprise his role as General Ross from the Hulk movie from 2003, but William Hurt took it instead. That's good. I don't want anything to do with the original Hulk movie from 2003 with Eric Bana to have anything to do with this movie. That would just ruin that would ruin a lot more continuity in the MCU. That just wouldn't make any sense. I mean, they kind of did it already with J.K. Simmons reprising his role as J. Jonah Jameson for uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. I'm still curious what they're going to do with all that. You know, I don't even know what Sony's doing with all that. It's all very confusing, so we need more movies, and we need COVID to go away, so that way we can see more movies, and more movies can be made. But, uh, yeah, uh, I just like that there's not a lot of continuity, if any at all, from William Hurt and uh, from William Hurt being General Ross, uh, even though Sam Elliott apparently wanted it. Uh, and the last kind of interesting fact that I'll share with you guys is the fact that Edward Norton actually rewrote a lot of the script. Um... And I don't know what the movie would have been like before, but I actually like the way the movie flows just for what it is. Like I said, it's kind of like a one-off. It is, it is, you can't watch it all by itself and not have to do anything with the MCU. I think that's kind of interesting for those people that really love the Incredible Hulk. I know a lot of people do, just like the character that he is. This is a good movie to watch, and it's superior to the Hulk movie of 2003 in every single way. So, uh, good on Edward Norton. He doesn't take credit for it, but apparently he did rewrite quite a bit of it, which is very interesting. Um, so... Next category is nitpicks. There are a lot of nitpicks with this film. There just are. There are quite a few nitpicks. One of the one of the most interesting, and I've kind of been talking about the nitpicks as we go because the continuity of the MCU is so important to me. And this is the one movie where the continuity just didn't seem to flow as well. 
granted, this is the second movie that was made within the MCU. Granted, it was made by a different studio altogether. Uh, the Incredible Hulk is the only movie in the MCU that was directed, that was produced by Universal Studios, for those of you that didn't know. I believe uh, the Iron Man was produced by Paramount Pictures. But it wasn't until, you know, I think the Avengers where Marvel Studios became its own thing and they started producing their own movies. So yeah, this is the only movie that was produced by uh, Universal Pictures. And that's because at the time, if you listen back to my Iron Man podcast, you'll remember that I talked about Marvel had to sell off a lot of their characters. And one of the characters they sell, that they sold off for movie rights was the Incredible Hulk. And they sold him to Universal Pictures. But it was after, I believe, the Avengers movie when the rights to the Incredible Hulk finally reverted back to the Marvel Studios. So they, they have full rights of, of the Hulk, as well as every single other character except those owned by Sony, which is Spider-Man and all things dealing with Spider-Man. Uh, this is probably the greatest nitpick of the entire movie. And I've, since I've nitpicked so much, this is going to be my last for this section of nitpicks. At the end of the movie, right before you get to the main end credits, in the end credits scene with Tony Stark and Thunderbolt Ross in the bar, you get a scene of Bruce Banner in British Columbia and he's in the snow. And it's a scene in which it looks like the Hulk's about it looks like he's about to Hulk out, right? It looks like he's about to turn into the incredible Hulk. His eyes are turning green, but he smirks. And they never really stated in the movie, and it happened so quick, it was such a fast scene. The assumption is that he gained control of this power to turn into the Hulk. And that was the whole problem before, is he didn't know how to gain his power to control into the Hulk. So, it kind of makes a lot of what happened in the Avengers seem even more puzzling, right? Where in that first scene when they're in the helicarrier and the Hulk turns into the Hulk and he tries to kill Black Widow, he apparently didn't have control of it then or whatever but then at the end of that at the end of the movie when they need him in that final battle he all of a sudden has control of it so there's a continuity issue there did he have control of it because of the end part of this movie or did he all of a sudden gain control of it in a day's time and if he did gain control of it because of this movie why did he freak out on the helicarrier what was that all about was that because he might have been under a spell from loki is that possible because that is possible and until re-watching this movie i hadn't really thought about it but this movie clearly paints the light that Bruce Banner figured out how to harness the Hulk and be able to control the Hulk whenever he wanted to control the Hulk. And I, I don't know, it, it's, it's interesting because I don't know if this strengthens the ending of Avengers or weakens it. it it'll strengthen it if, if that's the case, right? If he did, he did already have control of his powers, right? He was already fine. And then the fact that he hulked out on the helicarrier was because of Loki. So if that's the case, and that's really interesting, but if not, it would be a nitpick. But it's that—that's just me going, you know, going way deep, doing a, a really deep dive into the movie itself because, you know, I love these movies, and I've said that over and over again. The MCU is—it's deep within my veins. I watch every single movie, even the bad ones. Thor: The Dark World. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's as far as nitpicks. That's kind of all I'll go because I've—I've I've kind of been nitpicking it a lot in the categories, so I, I'll leave it at that. And then number seven, final category: Who won the movie? Uh, it's Tim Roth, guys. Tim Roth is so good in this movie, and I've I've said it a lot. I mean, Edward Norton is close. He's very close because he's so convincing as Bruce Banner, as a smart guy, as somebody likable, as somebody you want to root for. But Tim Roth is menacing, and he's menacing even before he becomes the Abomination. You truly believe that this guy is just crazy, 
and he's willing to do whatever he can to 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 become as powerful as what he saw with the Hulk. He wants that. And you know, Tim Roth is such an amazing actor as portrayed in a lot of his Tarantino movies that he just harnesses a different scale in him that I don't I didn't think he had. And after rewatching it and knowing who he is because I'm not going to lie, in 2008, I don't think I know who Tim Roth. I don't think I knew who Tim Roth was. Because I wasn't really into movies at that time, but then after I've seen all kinds of movies like, you know, all of his Tarantino movies from uh, from The Hateful Eight to Reservoir Dogs, I learned who Tim Roth was, and I learned that he's an amazing actor. And after watching this movie again, knowing who he is, it's like, okay, this guy's this is pretty cool. Like he's doing something on screen here that is that's noteworthy. And I think that Marvel did him a disservice by not including him in more movies. I mean, there's always a potential that he can come back in some way. And I've read at different spots that he'd love to come back. And I think it's because he had a great time. And as, as vast as the MCU is now, I don't see why not. Bring him back in. Make him a villain. Make him part of the Thunderbolts whenever they do that movie. I think that'd be really good. So, yeah, Tim Roth for me definitely wins the movie. Well, guys, it's, uh, it's that end time now. I want to thank everybody once again for listening to the pod uh, this one is number two of the Marvel movies that I'm going to be talking about. Uh, so I hope you guys liked it. Let me know what you thought. Go ahead and DM me at my Instagram, cam.cast. It's K-A-M.K-A-S-T. Uh, pretty soon I'm going to probably be doing a couple more sports podcasts later on this week. Uh, I'll try to get through to the next Marvel podcast. And the next Marvel podcast, guys, is going to be Thor. 2010s or I believe 2009 or 2010s. I'll I'll have the information once I <laughs> once I watch the movie. But yeah, it's gonna be Thor. Thor is gonna be next. That's number three in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, as always, guys, please like, subscribe, and listen to the podcast. Please uh, share the podcast whenever you can. Uh, you know the channel really appreciates all the love. Um, if you have anything for me, if you want to want me to talk about something specific, wanted to get into some, want to get into some debates with me, I can do that whenever you guys want. Um, but as far as that goes, thank you guys for listening again and peace and love guys. That's it.